Welcome back to another episode of Supercoach Insider. My name is Ben. And I'm Chris. And I'm Swizz. And thank you for joining us. It's a special edition where these two fools don't go on for an hour and 10 minutes, about four players. But before we move on, it's Insider 100. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. These guys don't even get an intro today. It's all about me. It's my show. You guys ran without me. Um, thank you for holding and flying the flag, holding the fort, flying the flag. Joined by Chris and Swiss, something a little bit different today. Also, look for us on YouTube, search for Supercoach Insider, like, subscribe, get amongst that business. And today we're talking about Hawthorne, and it's pretty much the Sicily and Friends show, I think. Uh, Chris, take us off. Oh, wow. That was a, a rapid introduction. I feel like we should slow it down, Swiss. It's a bit too, too fast. Too quick. <laughs> we don't want to get through this in half an hour in like a decent time. So, um, yeah. All right. We'll start off. Um, so Hawthorne. So they actually finished 13th last year, eight wins and 14 losses, which I think is probably a little bit overs. Like they, they seem to be going and tracking all right, considering that they basically decimated their entire list. Um, they only had a percentage of 89.75, but it was ultimately a development year. So you can't really complain. They've had another clean out, of course. So yeah, they're either going to stagnate or slide. Uh, but I really like this approach. They basically said to their supporters and they're really open about it. They're like, look, we're not going to compete for a flag right now. We're going to rebuild. We're going to focus on developing through the draft. We're going to take some players where we can. And we want another dynasty. They've been really open about the fact that they just want to build for another big tilt at, say, a three- to five-year dynasty where they can just attack the premiership window. Um, and I am I love that. I love it from a club perspective. I like that from a coaching perspective. It, it brings you know, a realistic goals all throughout the club. And I'm sure internally they're also saying, look, when we make finals, that's awesome. We're not going to – they're not tanking. That's one thing they're not doing. But they're just um, operating at a, a different frequency to other clubs that are all like, oh, yeah, well, we finished 17th last year, so we can totally make a run at the eight. Yeah, <laughs> they're being realistic about their expectations, and I love it. So big list of changeovers, as I said. Um, so in comes Carl Ammon, which was, I actually think, a really great recruit for them. Uh, Josh Bennett's was a Category B rookie. Fergus Green, delisted free agent, who came from their Box Hill affiliate. Um, so he's actually a mature age recruit. Uh, Henry Husswaite was a number 37 uh, draft pick. Bailey McDonald, number 51 draft pick. Cam McKenzie, who seems to hit it off on the ground running, number seven draft pick. Lloyd Meek, they obviously got over from Frio. Jack O'Sullivan was the number 46 draft pick. Cooper Stevens, they traded in from Geelong, so some nice trading there. And, of course, Josh Weddle, they were very, very happy to get at number 18 in the draft as well. Out goes Jackson Callow, who was delisted. Connor Downey delisted, so very short uh, uh, SC career for Connor Downey. Uh, Jack Gunston, of course, so the the uh, the veteran there traded up to Brizzy. Kyle Hardigan was delisted. Daniel Howe was delisted and then picked up by North. Uh, ben McAvoy retired. Tom Mitchell was traded to Collingwood, thank you, and they're also paying up a salary. And same with Diego Mira trade to Frio. Uh, the GOAT, Tom Phillips, was delisted. Um, Jack Saunders, obviously delisted. And Liam Shields, delisted. And then obviously picked up at North as well. Chris, how can how can a Collingwood supporter be like, oh, you're paying half his salary, a thank you, when you're paying half a bloody Trelaw's salary and some of Grundy's salary? Because it's about damn time. That's why. It all evens out. Yeah, or short memory. 
it's it's the only way we can actually get anyone in the club. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, we're going to trade with the one club that can't afford his salary. Okay. <laughs> I don't mind their approach either, though, because if you didn't make those hard decisions, if you weren't giving, yeah, if you weren't giving Titch some of those CBAs, etc., you would have never seen Newcomb come through, and a few yeah. of these other people that they've really fast tracked because of it. And um, yeah, well, you they've obviously gone. It. Yeah, get rid of Titch, get rid of Jager. See you later. They've done. They've done the Titch trade to help Titch. You know, like that, that's the only reason why they've really done it because. You know, they they could have him on as a mentoring role and helping other guys out and you know maintaining with you know. 40% CBAs, but that, that's obviously not going to help a guy that's 29, about to go 30 uh, in the twilight of his career. You know, he's got another chance at a big club. You know, he obviously nominated them. He's a, a born Pi supporter. So this all was in favor of Titch. They're not paying half his salary because they want to help out the rest of the club. It's literally to help out Titch, who's a champion for them, won them a Brownlow, you know, helped them win premierships. So I, I completely get it. Um, and I respect that as well. Clubs, more clubs should do that. They should try and help their veteran stars. Hawthorne, Hawthorne have got that luxury, but to do the, like the decisions they've made. When you win that many premierships in you know, 30, 40 years, um, you know, they can buy as much time as they want. But you know how you were saying about before, overs about eight wins. It's actually quite amazing looking through their season because they beat Geelong, they beat Brisbane, they yep. pushed Melbourne, should have probably beat you guys, uh, got within one point of Carlton. That like... I think they were really close to Frio as well. Like they could have actually made the eight if they had yeah. won those close games too, which is really surprising because when I went and watched them, I was just like, oh, this is just a development team. Now, obviously this year it will be more than that. Uh, it will reflect that. But, yeah, you know, Mitchell and, and Amira, who we've kind of discussed already, it's not a, it's not, it's experience going out. But some of these kids, you know, they were carrying that. And, they, they, you know, I think um, – yeah, it'll be they'll be an exciting team to watch for the next sort of like three, four years as they. Um... I'm I'm really looking forward to watching these guys develop and and watching the team develop and their systems develop. Like something that I really liked that what Sam Mitchell said last year is that they're not looking for to train their guys in what's working in the AFL right now. Mm. They're looking to implement systems and 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 uh, procedures in place and how they play and game styles for what's going to win them in the next three to five years. That's a very different way to play football. Things like throwing uh, Sicily, I think the last game last year, they threw him into the center bounce. They were, really, they were literally trying to do that to emulate what Geelong do in their games where they throw their you know, intercepting defender essentially into the CBAs. If you win the clearance, great. If not, then they roll them back and then no one goes with them, so they're free. And so mm. that sort of way that they're thinking, it's just like, oh, well, let's just try it. I love that. I love that they're, they're willing to do it in-game. They're, they're, they're not even... Oh, I mean, you can try a hundred things in practice and it'll work, right? You try it in a game, it's a completely different scenario. It may work, may not, but they're just willing to throw the dice. Yeah, because the, the, the thing with the game is you've got different coaches in a box that aren't naturally thinking of your own strategy. Like you can practice anything at training, but your coaches, you're, th that team's in there because you're all sort of like-minded or you're trying to go down the same path. You know all the little de behind-the-scene details of your club and your team and that, but to have another team there and another coach trying to pick through what you're trying to do and that and that's where no practice is better than match practice yeah i absolutely agree and and i so i love them i love i love what hawks are doing nothing but love for the hawthorne football club that's for sure speaking speaking about match practice boys you haven't gone through the fixture yet i'm literally about to think thanks very much thanks for cutting me off ben 
Well, that's fine. I, I, we, we should already be through halfway through one primo and you haven't even got to the draw yet. That's it's right. been seven minutes and you've gone through the list and coaching. I'm just, I'm just, you know, just praising, just praising. This is for the Hawthorne supporters, mate. All right. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they play twice. Uh, Frio, GWS, Melbourne, North Melbourne, St Kilda and the Western Bulldogs. Uh, it's not too bad. Um, obviously, the first four against Essendon, Sydney, North and Geelong. So 50-50 there. And then they've got the last three against the Dogs, Melbourne and Frio. So a bit of a, a hard run home. They have the round 14 buy, which is preferable to the round 15 buy. So that one shy of the, the big one with the big primos. And then degree, they've got the 12th hardest, um, which I suppose makes it the sixth easiest draw. Oh, 12th hardest. Yeah, sixth easiest. Yeah. Um, so not too bad in terms of their draw difficulty, but not amazing. Um, and so, and that, that pretty much is, is where they're at. They're, you know, they're sort of that lower run um, towards the bottom six era of, of the teams. And I'll be interested to see how they work out. But where do you see, where do you see them finishing? Where do you see them oh, finishing? Look, I see them going a little bit down. They've obviously lo- lost a lot of experience. So bottom four? Yeah, I think. No, they're winning the, winning the spoon. Generally, yeah, I'm, I'm the with spoon. you. Harley Reid is an absolute gun. He's the next Ashcroft, Dacos, Walsh, Rowell. Of that and I've already I've heard the rumor from inside sources they really love this boy they want him in their team I don't think they'll care if they win the spoon if it meant getting him to team up with McKenzie and Ward because it would be the final piece for their midfield also gives you some incentive to to trade out a couple of those guys who aren't going to be there for your next premiership either that's right I don't think they'll care less they, they will want to, they'll want to finish bottom get this kid in no nah, but the thing is like I understand that but this is not a team that that, that is Mel- Melbourne orientated. That, what I mean by that is they're not going out to tank on purpose. No, no, they're not going to go out and tank on no, purpose. No, we're saying that their list at the moment with their trade outs, et cetera, I think they will. They've done it to do that and develop. And and I think, it would, and as you said, I think though the players won't be, they will be willing to try things which will maybe sacrifice necessarily winning and that, but for the long term greater of the team. I, I see. I see. I definitely see them as bottom six. I'm just not sure. The, the mentality of them is going to be win, 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 win. If the, if the game's close, they're not going to change people around and be like, "Oh no, we need to lose this game." I don't. I personally don't think that that is the way that the Hawthorne Football Club is going to run. And so for that reason, I think that they will be close enough in some games that they can pinch wins. And the fact that they were that close, they knocked over big teams last year, means they're a bit further along than than a lot of people give them credit for. I know that they've had losses, but you know, again, Jaeger and um, and Mitchell, they weren't operating at hundred percent CBA. You know, they, they were only near fifty percent. Yeah, well, that, that's why that's why I said before they were actually not that far off. But I just think the uh, yeah, it's not the tanking, but I, I've just heard they they so want this kid and that, and I would not be surprised if yeah, there's ways to you know yeah facilitate games and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and I would like, and I think they try to get in as many games to Mackenzie Ward, that group, into the in the key areas where, you know, it's not, I guess, how hard do you protect them? Anyway, well, that's more rookie chats and stuff like that. We'll know, we'll know where they're at after round six because they play some of those other teams around the bottom the first in those first six games. I think I've got Hawks, North, West Coast, um, GWS in the bottom four for me. All, all in a kind of transitional sort of period, you know, like it's 
you, you can't transition and gut out and have a lot of experience go and have a whole bunch of young guys that you're trying to debut and get some blood into that are, you know, one or two, three-year players. Even Brisbane, they still had – they brought in, you know, like McCluggage, Raynard, Berry and all these guys, and they still didn't do very well for a, a period of a couple of years. Yeah. So West, West Coast is the one a little bit unknown for me, but I think they're still around that four to five. But I think definitely the Giants, definitely North, potentially Adelaide. Um, but yeah, I think Hawthorne North and GWS are the clear, probably bottom three. The good news. I don't know. I look at I look at GWS's best twenty two and I go, that's a team that still could do some damage. Well, I don't know. No, I don't know. Could, but weird, the competition's yeah. pretty close. That's yeah, that's also true. Yeah. I also thought Collingwood would be horrible last year, but you know, there you go. St. Kilda get two <laughs> big injuries so and I. that and probably down there. Yeah. Look. I think it's a bit of an undone, but let's jump into the premium. So yeah, obviously we've got premium. James Sicily. Only one premium too, boys. Don't even dare, Swizz. Oh, come on, man. I've got I've actually listed two, two. <laughs> one premium. Dylan Moore is not a premium. He is a premium, okay. mate. Sure, buddy. Um, so this is Jack Jack Sicily, six hundred and twenty-four K uh defender. Uh I I'll be honest and say I was the first person I I had him in my team last year and then wrote him off basically because I'm like, ah. Oh, Back from an ACL. No one ever goes big their first year back from an ACL. It's probably the second year that they go better. And he absolutely cleaned up. They just did everything that they could to release Sicily across that half-back line. And he just did what he wanted to every single week. And, you know, he even just lulled everyone into a false sense of security. Went a little bit light in the first six weeks. And then just went absolutely bonkers in the back half of the year. And of course, he was priced out. And you, I think you even, uh, Ben, you paid up for him last year, didn't you? I paid 600000 for him during uh, the season. You, you, you know, that was a good thing to do. I, on the other hand, was like, I'm not paying 600 k for Sicily when I could have paid 450. Ah, oh, I'm just going to like bet against him. And then he just kept showing it up. It hurts. <laughs> it hurts. And I think the worst part was I actually had an opportunity to get him. And I was flipping between a couple of people. And I think at that point, Sicily was maybe 510, 520. I was like, oh, but he's 70,000 more. And he hadn't quite gone off yet. And I think I chose um, like Doherty, who was starting hot. And then Doherty, I paid 580 odd for. So I paid, overpaid 586 or something for Doherty. And then all of a sudden, he started producing a few of the law scores before he came good in the end. And Sicily just kept going bang, 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 bang. And that was the story of my year, overpaying for everyone. Yeah, well, <laughs> same. At least Sicily did start throwing some 90s down in that second half of the year. But yeah, I think it was the Geelong game, had the chance before that to get him. And then he pumps a 126. I'm like, he's not doing that against Hawkins and Cameron. There's no chance. And then, yeah, his yeah. run after that was just stupid. I dare say it, there's actually value in him too. And I know. A little Jeez. bit. <laughs> because he only, he actually was the second biggest kickout taker there. Blake Hardwick actually took uh, four more quickouts than him over the year. Not to mention that Will Day was actually fourth on their list with 31. Yeah. So he had, he, I think he had about 40% of the kickouts that Sicily had. Now, Will Day's playing midfield, which we'll get into, but that frees up 31 kickouts. And the good thing with Sicily is, is that he plays on more than anyone. He, 96% of the time, he plays on out of the square. Yeah. Which is unreal. Because he, he loves a stat. He loves a stat. He's the, he's the Rory Laird of Hawthorne, 100%. He loves a stat. Who doesn't, Chris? I, I hear you should like to shave it back and give yourself a, a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> a padded a padded stat, I say not. <laughs> hey, look, uh, 
Is that should we plug? Man Doesn't Cave matter if it's an intro mm-hmm. mile. <laughs> winning's winning, right? Winning's yeah. Winning. No, look, um, I think at the end of the day, he's in the conversation, right? The only reason why I have it, and and, he, and of course, the ball's going to be down there a lot. It's going to continue to be down there a lot. Is his role? He's, I think they've sort of given up on the whole. We're going to play you forward thing. So that that's out. That's out of the picture. Um, what do we see him doing this year? Because we average what one hundred thirteen. What's yeah. uh, what's his what's his? Is he going up? Is he staying the same? Is oh, he value? Is he's not value at six twenty four k? You getting much of the muchness? Are you waiting for him to drop a bad game? I mean, how, how many times did he go below? Um, below 100. I don't think there was many, was there? I think it's the question, did he go below 90? Because I oh. don't think there was a... 84, was a, round 2, 84. 87, round 15. And otherwise, it's like 90, 90. His floor, his floor is amazing. Like, yeah. It's as good as it, it like, is. It is. And it's un, and it's unreal. But my concern is probably who he who he shares the back line with. And it's not a huge deal, but yeah, Giath, you know, he only played, I think, 14 games, probably wasn't that fit for it as well, then carried uh, some injuries. So he's also someone who can intercept and sort of rebound. Um, it, that's the only concern for me. And it's a real small concern. It's not a big one. It's more of, you know, and again, I could have got him for $160,000 cheaper last year. So yeah. why would I pay up? It's that mentality. Now, his ceiling is good, but his high score obviously was, uh, was 147 versus Gold Coast. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, that, that's a good, good ceiling, but it's not Tom Stewart type ceilings, you know? Yeah. So, um, even Doherty's gone 170 before and that. Like, yeah, yeah. This league's yeah. not pumping out of 170 yet at uh, that Stewart. You know you what he did see- last year? He just, he just kept plugging away and his score just kept ticking up. And his yeah. price kept ticking up and just slowly, 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 slowly. Like, it was never this huge, like, bump, bang, he's unattainable. Mm. And that is um, as one of the things that sort of works against him in terms of if you want to choose him because you probably can pick him up a little bit cheaper during the season. There'll be a game that he'll drop, you know, a 90 or whatever and he'll back it up with another 90 and then all of a sudden he'll be worth 580K or something like that. Now, it's not, not a, he's not stupidly cheap, but it's definitely cheaper than what he's actually producing right now. So uh, a little bit interesting there. I, I'd, I'd like him. Um, and for someone who... My structure is the, the sole. I'm having one defender. He's definitely in the conversation for okay. Who am I going to get? Some of it could be based on what buy round you have. You know, that's the sort of hair splitting that we're doing when we're talking about someone like Sicily versus Stewart or versus Dawson or or all these guys. What does that 20k do for you as well? 20k can be a lot right now. We're we're all searching for value. 20k gets you from what Titch to Green. You know, like that's a a 20k can be quite a lot in terms of the play that you're able to snap up. It can be the difference between getting an average rookie or a really good rookie, yeah, or Parish and Bot. So these sort of minute 20K here or there, I think it does add up. And how many teams is he in as well? What's uh, what's his current um, percentage in, team, in terms of teams? Oh, well, I can't tell you that. Hang on, I did. I don't think he's – I was just I was looking at literally – I was about to tell you that. I was like, I mean, he's in 26%. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, so that is pretty high, but is it, is that the highest of those defenders? I don't think No, it it's not. So the Dacos um, is high. Because we're on it, like oh, yeah, oh. yes, you know, but of the main ones, you've got Stewart 38, Sicily's 26, and then Dawson 19, Doherty 16, and then Sinclair back at 8%. Um 
So a lot of nuffies have their team this time of year yeah. too, boys. Yeah. It's a pride. Well, I mean, sometimes people just go, oh, the most expensive defender. Yeah, I'll just poke him. I know that a Correct. lot of the community really love him. And that, like, he's I, just, I mean, I don't think, no, there's no real yeah. reason not and to. He stands love him. out in that Hawthorne back line. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, it's James Sisley. He's he's finally done what we all thought he would do, and he did it when he was priced at 450k. <laughs> yeah, high time on ground too, oh. 95.8% mm. time on ground. I, I just I'm struggling to see the the upside. I can't see him going out and going 113 to 115 again. I mean, like it might only be a small drop to 110. And that even with their like the they should be worse, but then they've got some easy games as well, especially at the start. So you know, does he able to just, does that mean anything where he can take intercept marks? Is the ball being down there? Does that even, does that help? Because does it, does he have to play more lockdown? Um, yeah, there's, I think there's enough there to go. He probably just maintains, you know, he might drop to 600, might drop a little bit less, but I think, yeah, he just sort of stays there. It's not somebody, as we said, I'm going to get priced out at, He's not going to 650, you know, 670. Where I'm like, he's not going to 700K, 70. you know what I mean? Like he's not, you know, you're probably, worst case scenario, you've got to pay what he was at the start of the season. That's right. Like, okay. Yeah. Look, I think he's a great option. Is You're going to pay, you pay what you're going to get out of him. And if that's what you want, then absolutely lock it in. It's not a value selection. It's not a value selection, but it is, you know, it's not, it's not a bad selection. So, yeah, not bad at all. What we talked about with wits, isn't it? It's what we exactly said about wits. Yeah. It's a safe, yeah. so that you know what you're going to get. So, Chad Wenger next, you want to talk about? Is that? No. That we're talking about the forward goat, mate. Do you, do you, want, do you want me to talk <laughs> the forward about this goat? Oh, Rosie, Connor, I didn't know we are at Port Adelaide already. I'm going to pass this one on to Swiss just to fire a rocket up, Ben. Who pays $521,000 for a midget that can't even kick a footy? He's in 3% of teams for starters. Let's, let's Just re-signed as well. Yeah, and that's that 3% is your teams, is it? The, the 10 that yeah, you have going? That's right. Um, it's not just last year. You could actually see signs of this yes. back in 2021. So his last, I think it was his last five games, he averaged 104, 105, um, and he had one, two, the four tons in the last seven weeks. So, yeah, that move was coming. Um, congratulations to the very minute people who jumped on last year at the start, knowing that, oh, well, this could happen with the the, the way they were, um, you know, swapping things around, um, especially help when he was starting to get more of those um, CBAs and midfield minutes around the ball. So um, there's talk about now that Mitchell and Amira are both gone, does that now increase his midfield time around that? Um, Obviously, he's got more pre-seasons than um, some of these guys like your Wards and McKenzie's who are coming in. That So you would think if that's how they're going to go, it might um, he might get first crack at that. Um, we know he's still very good up in the half-forward line and even in the forward pocket. Uh, but, you know, from, from pretty well day one, the start of the year last year was unreal. He even showed the ceiling, like against a team like Melbourne. You know, just come out and score a um, 147. Um, yeah. It's what you, we we always talk about. We want, yeah. You know, it's all well and good. These guys, you know, can go around that ninety, a hundred, and that. But when they can actually pop off big scores, I don't know if you've got his uh, CBA breakdown for that. That I game, do. Benny, when he played the um. Oh, the I'm Northern not looking game. at anything to do with Dylan. No, he's <laughs> no, no, I do. <laughs> so, no, so, I mean, what what round um, was it, by the way? It was uh, round seven. Yeah, uh, where, where where's my boy exactly here? here. One, uh, there you are. It's, it's there like are. he's taking him out. 
One, two, three, four, five, six. Nah, so he didn't have any, he didn't have any CBAs. No, he had no CBAs now. So it's, it's round seventeen is when his uh, CBAs kicked in. The fact he got one forty seven. Yeah, without so he was selling, CBA. He, he can score without them, but yeah, without them, which is it, even a a better sign, isn't it? That you know. He can come off the half forward line and 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 still score a one forty seven doing that, and then later in well, the year when he was getting those CBAs, um, and I think so seventeen eight. So here's the here's the keys: round seventeen, round eighteen, round nineteen. He had sixty percent, sixty one percent, and fifty six percent in those games. He went one thirty five, one thirteen, one twenty four. Exactly. So it, then on then in rounds, so that was seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. I was twenty. Round 20 went back down to 45%, and then he went up to 73% the week after. Um, so he went down to 69 and then back to 101. So if he does get those mid-minutes, he's absolutely set for an absolute rocket in terms of his um, uh, his ability to score, super catch points. My, my issue is, I, I, I guess, and I suppose this is the overall arching issue with Dylan Moore as a selection, is who is that midfield mix? Because there's about 15 guys that are all <laughs> could say, yeah, I'm getting some mid-minutes this year. And I don't even know if the Hawks know how they're lining up round one. Yeah. And that's a, yeah, like we know Newcomb's in there. But yes. then outside of that, is And then I'd probably or- argue Carl Ammon would absolutely be a lock. And the, the reason why, I mean, Carl Ammon wants to play inside. He'd been playing, he had some inside time um, at Port, was loving it, actually thriving in it, by the way. And then they were like, then they had so they had some guys that were injured come back. They replaced inside, and then he just went back out to a wing. And then he got tra- oh, oh, I want to get traded. He wants to play inside. I don't think that he would have gone to a club like Hawthorne without the promise of inside minutes. So I'm pretty confident that Carl Ammon is coming there not to play on the wing. He's probably playing inside. So if you've got Newcomb there, and then you've got Ammon there as well. Then you've got a, a another bull in there at least, and then you know one or two rotational players that are going to get those inside minutes. Who are they? Uh, they've got some great talent coming through. They've got guys like Josh Ward. They've got Connor Nash. They've got Will Day, who's apparently I think is more of an outside, but he's getting some midfield time. They've got Connor McDonald. They've got Cooper Stevens now. Um, you know James Warple, of course. Um, what Will does Day's all playing of midfield. that look like? Yeah, but I think he's. When he says midfield, I think that's wing. I don't think he's playing inside. If he has inside, it's like he might have twenty percent CBA. Like it's not. Apparently, not that's like, where their discussion was. That that's where they see him being in the future. So that's where they're putting him. No, he's in, inside mid, really. Who? As in, I'm I'm keen to see it, but is in apparently their exit meeting, etc. They were talking about him being as a part of their midfield group. So I'm assuming that means in the center bounce as someone who can evade and kick and have good decisions. But that was apparently the um, discussion. So that's where he's been talked about playing in the midfield because that's where they see him being in the next couple of years. So you might as well get him propped up. Um, Yeah. On the contrary. Now let me just go through and tear to shreds with Dylan Moore. And Mm. the reason is, is as far as standard. Didn't we just say exactly like, a kind open and shut case on why he's a good pick. If no, 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 there's no CBAs. open and shut case. I'm going to tell you why because straight away off the top of the bat, there's five people that have more 100 pluses and less scores under 80 than Dylan Moore last year. That's number one. I mean, even you look at um, Daniel Rioli had more 100 plus scores as a percentage than Dylan Moore, right? And then if you kind of take into consideration as well, who, who averages more, Rosie Taranto 
who averages more? Rosie Taranto out of those and more? Well, I think you're not taking more. And then on top of that, maybe he is sixth place or equals sixth with Hawkins as far as uh, 100 overs, maybe less scores under 80. But when you put it all together, then you have DPP and other people coming in. If Grundy's in the mix, if someone um, you know, like Boat gets a DPP forward, then all of a sudden Dylan Moore doesn't even make top 10. So you're paying 520000 now, it's in, if it's in draft and you want to knock your socks off, sure. Draft's a place where you can pick a player because you like watching them. He is not a standard relevant option. I don't care what you say. He'll be 10th <laughs> or worse as a forward. And starting him over any one of those other four premiums that you should be starting is absolutely ludicrous. What do you think he averages then? What do I think he averages? Yeah. I'm saying 90 about that, maybe. Went 95 last year and then the tail end he went... 104. I don't care what he did in the tail end. He could grow a tail in Tasmania. That's how much I care. Well, he, he is not know, relevant. When, when he had over, so four game sample size, having over 56% um, CBAs, he averaged 118.25 in those four games. Wonderful. I haven't heard a single thing about him getting more CBAs, even though they've lost two people. So again, you go Newcomb, Warple, Stevens, Amon, Ward, Will Day. And I'm saying if he gets CBAs, he's a great option. Then you're just pumping up tires on a truck you're about to demolish. Move on. <laughs> I just got a text. You never see someone so dirty on losing a bet before the bet's actually over. The bet hasn't even started yet, and he's so dirty on it. It's amazing. Ah, he is a he's a shit pick. Shit I just pick. got a I just got a text from my partner. He just said, "Say CBAs one more time." <laughs> hey, where's that place you like to go and dine? <laughs> you call about shenanigans? Pistol whip? shenanigans? Yeah, shenanigans. <laughs> Next person who, who's next, Chris? Actually, I took my headphones off just so I would keep talking and I couldn't hear you asking or trying to interrupt. I don't know if you noticed. I had my headphones off and I'm like, right, I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. No, we okay, that. I'm going to make a conditional bet. If, if he gets over 50% CBAs for the year, he will average over 110. I'll make a conditional bet on that right now. Hang on, what? Oh, I like it. <laughs> Hang on. If he, if he if, gets if over Dylan 50% Moore, CBAs... Yeah, for the year. Yeah, yeah for the year. He will, he I'll, I'll, I'll take him overs for 110. I'll give you 40 and 100.5. No. <laughs> 40 and 100.5. Nah. Nah. Because he, he, he needs a 50. Um, 50%. Yeah, sure. I'll go $100 on that because he's not getting over 50%. And if he does, <laughs> he's still a shit pick. Like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's actually worse than my um, Chad Wingard beating Dylan Stevens. And that, uh, sorry, Dylan Moore. And we all, we all know that was stupid. But So, I don't know. You, you can correct worse. that now, by the way, and just say that, look, you think maybe Dylan Moore might be an average higher than Wingard. Just maybe. Yeah. Oh, no. I said you that straight after just, I made that. To bet, round that fine. up, to round the chat off, and that for people out there, that I don't think it's a terrible start. I think there's – the hard thing is because we've got Cornelio, Dunkley, Taranto, Rosie Butters, does make you a bit harder to start. But if those harder, two practice impossible. If those two practice matches, he lines up in the midfield and plays fifty percent CBAs of that, then you've we've really got something to think about there. I hope he sucks you guys in so hard. I am not even kidding. And then you go, Oh, I wonder why I'm ranked a thousandth and I'm in seventieth. He's up, hater. All right. You're sounding very fifth place right now. We need right. to just take it back. Seat. <laughs> All right. Who we got next? Fifth place. <laughs> just oh, like the Lions last year, mate. Um, in finals, mate, which is where it all matters. Thanking you. Sure. All right. All right. So we'll move to uh, potential breakouts. So there's like about seven of them. 
I'll just list them and then we can talk about who we want to talk about. So I've already chatted about Carl Ammon. Um, I do think he gets a lot of inside minutes. He was He's a 508K mid. I, I just want to see it because I know he can score inside. I'm not sure how much that makes him uh, a viable target, but definitely draft-worthy. Is it Ammon um, or Amon? Amon. Amon, Ammon, Ammon. Yeah, I'm, I'm tripping balls. You, you've said his name. You've said his name two or three times and I'm sitting there going, well, I let him go. <laughs> so I have a friend called Ammon and he's, He's spelt the same way. So do you even do you even know the game? <laughs> yeah, sorry. I mean, do you know um, how to say Callahan as well? Or Callahan? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, John Newcomb, 478 K mid. So we know he's got the keys to that midfield. Yeah, what what what's his output look like? Um, again, I think it's more of a um a draft option than a a potential standard option, but who knows? I'm Because uh, I've um I've seen him appear, but you yeah, go on. Uh, Lloyd Meek, 431k ruck. I, I think he splits that with Reeves. So I'm not sure if that's, a, again, not a standard option. Will Day, 362k mid, of course. We've discussed him. Josh Ward, 351k mid. You know, what sort of CBAs is he looking at? Um, what's his role going to be this year? Played a lot forward last year. Is he going to move more forward to, towards the midfield? Is he going to play more time on ground? These things are important. Uh, Warple, 309k mid. What does he do this year? Is he an option? I know that he's a very popular option in Stan. I think he's very highly owned, surprisingly highly owned, in my opinion. Um, so I want to chat about him. There's Connor McDonald, of course, at 279k forward, and then Cooper Stevens, 265k mid. So he wouldn't have gone from you know the premiers to Hawthorne if he didn't think that there was an opportunity there for him to stake his claim in that midfield. Um, so those are all guys that can have an absolute breakout. Whether or not they do is all going to be role dependent. And unfortunately, we just don't really have that information just yet. What do you guys think of the Warple um, 309k mid? A lot of people are running Warple as that. Yeah, um, Warple's nearly 9% and then Newcomb's nearly 4%. Yeah. That's a Newcomb, lot. Of, like, okay. So they're going for a premium on Newcomb. But I reckon uh, Warple's probably tied in with Stevens for me because one of them is probably getting the better role. And again, you're not going to know until that preseason hits. They're fairly similarly priced. I think uh, what fifty thousand or less difference. Um, I, I think one of them probably gets more more shake of the treat, to be honest. And I'm interested to see who. I think Warple had a little bit of an issue, but I think he's back training fully now. A little bit of a slow run in. Um, yeah, I wouldn't I'm be surprised if Warple do, if Warple doesn't get an inside mid role this year. I think he gets traded in the. I think he has to, to get goodness. that, even to boost his value. He needs to get a fairly good he's got a, This is a make or break year for his career. If he doesn't show out this year, he's done. Like, you know, they've traded away their two premier midfielders. He's only really a decent midfielder. He's, his ball use is obviously always questionable. And that's really his biggest issue. If he doesn't show out this year, he's done because they have talent waiting to just replace him like that. And I'm just, I'm sold on the fact that if he doesn't actually perform, it's done. So if he's yeah, he might even like I don't know is he best twenty two like let's well, say he I comes out. I'm surprised he survived and didn't get traded. And I, I had heard a little bit of a rumblings about him potentially going to Richmond if Hopper or Taranto had fallen over. But obviously, okay. once those deals started going there, um, a couple other clubs had come up. But yeah, I had heard it, which I was a bit worried about because I was like, but I know there's a lot of love for him in the community, especially after that year he went eighty eight. So. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, yeah, he is a bit of a fan favorite, um, where probably some of the, there's people in the, that I respect in the super coach community, which I have seen Newcomb in their teams, 
Um, so it's yep. only his third year. They're thinking the big third year breakout's coming up. He's gone from fifty three to what eighty six, I think he was. Uh, it's got to be Cater, surely. Cater would be the one to throw him in there, surely. I'm not sure. I'm sure there is. So I've I've seen a couple of people sent me their teams as well, and I, he's been locked in there at the at M5. Everyone likes a fairy tale, though. Well, That's why eight, people go to romance he's gonna be their number, and... He's going to be their number one midfielder this year. So what's the number to... one? What's the worst case? And he's going to average like a hundred. Thing is, often yeah. So so, but yeah. that's not enough. No, it's not enough. But that, that's but what I mean. Could it be? Can it be? Like one hundred five gives him twenty points on his on his value. And, that, awesome. and we talk about okay, that um, that M eight. We were talking about the other day about firstly a using that cash elsewhere. But if you're picking somebody at who's average, you know, pricing you at eighty five. And they're going 80, 105 for you, even if it's up to the buy period. And that, you know, that's great value to have in your side. Yeah. Still 100 no, points it. off by the buy, uh, though. I don't know. I think you need one. He's only 40K to know. Mitchell. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's, that's probably more my issue. If he was yeah. if he was 400, I, did, I think it'd be nearly a no-brainer. But, yeah, I, he's probably just had too much. That If he'd gone oh. 80 last year and you go, okay, he could jump 80 to 100. But, yeah, the 86, I don't know if he's – He'd have to go. I'd want 105 to 110 min at that price, and I don't think he's going to jump another 30 points. Yeah, that's my thing as well. I don't. I don't. I don't think he's a type of player. I think he's like more of a Cunnington type. That sort of yeah, 100 to 105 max. Mm. Yeah, that's going to be that's his ceiling. I think, yeah, that's why I've got him out. Pretty sure Cunnington's gone more than that a couple of times. Oh, I think. Yeah, I've, he's gone more than 105. Slightly, maybe. I don't, slightly, I don't know about that. In he that did tail off one year as well. 110 bracket, but. Yeah, yeah like that's that's yeah. Even that that's that's no man's land in terms of supercoach options. Supercoach, especially yeah. keeper yeah. leagues. Um, I do think Will Day is a, possibly a standard option if he is inside in that midfield, and I, I agree. I have reservations because I, I still see him as that sort of skinny, lanky kid, right? So I, I'm like, oh, in the midfield, he's probably going to get beaten up or whatever. But again, um, the issue is, is he, he's it's, like thirty thousand dollars more. Yeah, well, he's like thirty thousand dollars more than Yo and some others, and I think there's you know even Caulfield, etc. Yeah, in a, as an intercepting role or someone else that might actually get some kind of CBAs, etc. I think there's probably well, he's better a, value. He's a mid he's only, a is mid, he? Will Day? Yeah, no, he's a defender. I thought is he is he defender? I thought it was a mid only. He's a defender. Yeah, Will Day. Oh, defender. That, that, yeah. Well, that makes it a little bit. That's why he's in three. Yeah, and he averaged seventy nine last year. So not well, not twenty twenty two, but uh, in twenty twenty one, he averaged seventy nine. And if you move him inside and actually play midfield, the only other catch is he's only played 54% of the last three years. So he always yeah, gets injured. His bodies. And that's the thing. Like, how can you throw him inside? It's probably better as good as Elliot Yo, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. um, I wonder if Yo's even played 50% of the last three years. Probably not. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't know. Look, I suppose at the end of the day, we need to see Hawthorne and how they're lining up. Like, I don't think you can make an educated assumption that any of these guys are going to be good without seeing these practice games coming up. Um, so. We can talk them up as much as we want, but we just need to see it first. And that's the problem, I think, with the Hawks' current structure. We know Sicily. We know um, to a certain extent uh, you know, how his role is going to be. It's going to be pretty much similar. We saw a little bit of a glimpse of him getting some CBAs, which I'm not sure how that's going to impact <laughs> his scoring positively or negatively, but I think he's about the same. Everybody else is sort of throw a blanket over him and see what happens. So, um, Can we talk about the biggest issue at Hawthorne? That, that uh, is up in the that? air, their ruck line. Yeah. What, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's, it's, it's up in the air. I think it's pretty much standard, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm, Lloyd Meek will ruck with Reeves, right? I think is that not 
already, or is everyone not on that yeah. same well, bus? We know, well, we know Meek can play forward. Yeah. Uh, not great, though. I thought Meek was the one that pushed Darcy forward. I thought when Meek went in to the Dockers, he kind of pushed Darcy forward because Darcy was a better forward than Meek was. But I, I have heard, the only thing I've kind of heard is that, A, they're all three are fit and they're kind of not determined as far as what their best system is, whether they play one or two, but they're all kind of battling against each other. I think it is Meek and Reeves at top two on that list. Uh, and I have heard that Meek is practicing his his goal kicking and his forward craft probably because he try he's wanting to try and add an extra bow in there in case he isn't the first pick. So I, I think there is something to watch. But for 431,000 for Meek, you know, 87 average for six games at Frio, he did do well when he had the chance, uh, mainly yep. because I think Darcy pushed forward and that kind of killed his average. And the Price, other one he's is priced himself had, out, basically. <laughs> yeah, if he... If he if he's three three fifty, we're having a different conversation. Yeah, and Reeves is three fifty six, but um, you know, I think he what did he go about eighty two or something the year before that as a ruck, and again, it's not really going to probably cut it. But there is a little bit up in the air as far as how they set up uh, one tall, two talls, etc. It's one of those ones where an injury all of a sudden brings things into question. You go, okay, well now we can look at you know getting Meek in the team if say uh, Reeves goes down or whatever. Obviously, they've still got Lynch there as well. Yeah, they um, played Lynch and um and Reeves, Reeves together yeah. at some point and then I think it was Lynch got injured and Well, yeah, Lynch got injured there. like the first like I think in like the first set of bounces, something like that. And neither of them scored well. Yeah. Um so on the rookie front, of course, Cam McKenzie is probably the big one. Um, yeah, coming in pick seven, 180k mid. Uh, does he get you know straight thrown in the guts? Is that is that how they operate? They're just gonna blood their really talented youth this year? Potentially, there's a, there's an option, opportunity for that. I've seen Cam McKenzie in quite a lot of teams uh, at this point. Whether or not he's a placeholder, whether or not he actually gets games again up in the air. But I've heard some really good things about him, so I'm not writing him off just yet. I don't. But think also, he play, plays midfield straight away, but half forward potentially. And that, well, he's got uh, the opportunity because it's the Hawks, right? Yeah, but it's still Ward. Ward go. Ward gets more time first, because like, he's got that extra year on him. Yeah. Apparently it, all that came out, I think it was from one of the, it wasn't from the coach himself, but one of the assistants or someone rather said, you know, he was impressive during match sim, doesn't look out of his depth and could push for an early debut. So they're kind yeah. of giving you some incentive like, Hey, you're impressed. And you kind of, you know, you don't look like you're, you know, treading water, but um, I, yeah, I think there's probably some better options that look like they're ahead, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets named at some point. But the issue is again, at that some point, I'm not downgrading to a hundred and eighty thousand dollar player unless he yeah, pops off it, some. He's 90s probably got to be yeah. He's probably got to be one you start with because you're not you're not looking for a downgrade option that's 180k when you could be downgrading someone from 220. You know, that's yeah. definitely not going to happen. Yeah, it's the, um, it's the way they've lined up the last like we talked about two years ago with Newcomb, and then last year Ward and McDonald. You know, they give them they they will happily start them. They'll give them tastes and stuff like that. But and then the year after they get that more of a role, and then the year after that, you know. So I, I feel like I'm still probably triggered. starts around one. I'm not I'm not picking a guy in a team that's going to be bottom four who's going to likely play up in the forward line. On a and Warden nah. McDonald took four. Well, like, we saw like that. Well, like four ever. Brockman last year, hey buddy. Oh, oh no, it was <laughs> the year before Brockman. Brockman. No, no, oh. Brockman was. Well, oh, Brockman's before. still on their list. Yeah. And he's now 123k forward. Yeah, and apparently he's doing quite well. He's he's quite agile and he's um, taking that forward pocket by storm. I hear so. I would well, be he could be if he's best he, too. Well, he could be an option, and he's only 123k again. This is what I mean. So he's he's on my list. I'm like, well, you know, anything can happen if he gets a, a run at it. Yeah, and he, he's been a he did actually have a few ga- games there where he scored quite well. The problem is his role, obviously. 
He's also going to be a sub risk, um, as in you know being a sub and, and starting that way. So not there's, if they're playing that. two rucks, though. Not if they're playing two yeah. rucks every game. No, yeah. not to come oh. off, but oh, to but be named as a sub. Oh, to be on, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. reckon they um, want someone more dynamic than a forward pocket to come on as a sub, though. Well, he's he can he can run up. He can push up the ground. He's not bad at getting up the ground. If he's running drinks, he can push up the ground as far as he likes. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's happening mid game though. But I do like him as a pocket and maybe half forward. I guess I think he's closer to goal. Is where he's dangerous. Hmm. Yeah. Um. So Josh Weddle's obviously the other one though, guys. 132k defend. 130k defender hasn't left my team since the gl- glowing reports about how he's just basically slotted straight in there across that half back line. Um. Beautiful user by foot. I think he's AFL ready from the get-go, and I do believe that he probably starts. He hasn't left my side pretty much since I think it was like the second or third week of, of Supercoach opening. He slotted in and hasn't left. I actually think that he could be good enough to get an on-field scoring role. Um, however, I'm leaning towards starting him on a bench, um, and then if I get injury or someone comes out or whatever, I've got decent cover there at a really great price point that I haven't had to invest a lot into that I can just throw on. Alternatively, I also, I don't know if you guys saw my um, uh, team reveal to uh, my February team today, but um, you know, if he ends up being a really good scorer, you can throw him onto your field and throw, say, a Jinbi into your midfield or, or vice versa um, via some DPP switching. So there's able opportunities to be able to get him onto the field and not necessarily keep him on your pine. But right now, I think he probably should or deserves to be everybody's D7. Um, and see how you go from there. Yep. It's not often someone comes out and wins a team's first like time trial. So yeah. they had four one-kilometer time trials. He won every single one of those four, which is crazy. And then I think it was – I'm not sure again. It wasn't the coach, but it was one of the assistants or someone else within the club was like commenting on how great it is to see young players come out and come into that system so well-prepared and mentally, like, you know, physically, mentally, and fit enough, ready to play AFL football. Well, it so obviously helps that we're now not in the COVID years, right? So, you know, that, that that does help. Then they've probably had a big flip of completely underprepared, where now they're like, oh, now we're completely, like, not overprepared, but ready for what's about to happen. Ashcroft is the same. The, the yeah. diligence, the preparation, and then he got asked as well about um, – yeah, like, oh, hey, you know, you, everyone's, you know, you're doing really well and everyone's really keen, et cetera, et cetera. And he goes, oh, well, you know, the preparation I've done has just got me to the starting line. And now you mm. need to kind of go and prepare and learn and take that kind of growth mindset to improve, to be better. Because once you get to the starting line, your race only just begins. Um, the other thing is, I mean, there's one thing being fit. Anyone can run. Ask Tom Phillips. You can run. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, that, that combined, you know, having that ability combined with your foot skills yeah, footy IQ smarts, the, the like a physically hard body, that's really hard as a first year player and picking it up that quickly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, props to him. Tuke Miller, I do believe, unreal. Someone who can run and hit, like yeah. unreal. Yeah, yeah. They they don't just they're not they don't just fall off trees. So, um, yeah, I'm really interested. Um, I've heard nothing but great things about him, so I can't wait to see him in action in the preseason. So, um. Any other guys that uh, yeah, you Fer- want? I'm going to say Fergus Green because he's in 10%. He's the, uh, I'm going to say the Gunston replacement. Played at the Bulldogs for, was it three years? Uh, played only the five games. I've been four years there. Um, spent the last couple of years back playing the, I think it was the VFL. Um, I'm trying to think where he, uh, uh, when he went no, to he played Box, Box Hill. Hill last year. Box Hill. Yep. So he's been yep. in their system. 
Um, and now he's obviously found himself on the list at 25 years old. So that mature age person. Um, and I think that's because it's harder to, you know, bring in some of those forwards, like a young, how many young forwards can you kind of have up in that forward line set up? Uh, they've already got the young, um, uh, was it the, um, I'm trying to think, Mitchell Lewis. was like this. Lewis Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell I was going to say, if he does Mitchell get a Lewis yeah, yeah. down there, who's Caution. a young one. So maybe with Gunston going, they wanted more of a senior body to play that third, you know, kind of hit up person. So um, it could be one to definitely start the year. Um, and not surprised he's already in that many teams. Caution to the window. Uh, Mitch Lewis did have an ACL sprain and will miss the opening rounds. So, yeah, so if he does makes... get named... Uh, yeah, if he gets named, it's kind of a, oh, great, but, um, you know, I think they, both, I think they could back. probably both play because it's not like Fergus Green's a big 196 yeah. guy. He's a 187. He's that, okay, fair enough. He's that third type. I think it's a senior. A bit more body. mobile. He's not yeah. also a type that, that generally you would put as a sub either. So, no, it's, a, I think it's a direct Gunston experience replacement there. I like it. I think that he could definitely play games this year, let and maybe potentially early as well. So mm. not a bad, not a bad option. Yep. I think that um, sort of rounds us up, guys. Do you have anyone yeah, pretty else much. To um, just one more. On? Uh, Chad Wingard. Um, not. Oh, no. I almost got out of this without no, no, no. having to talk about him. Uh, I'm. Oh. I'm not going to degrade us and talk about you know standard, even though he is three hundred fifty-two thousand and has averaged. <laughs> Extremely well in the past. I think even last year. For the same price, I could go and get Will Setterfield, guys. Uh, in 2021, mm. he averaged 92. So I think there are a lot worse options to be considered. But for draft purposes, I think as far as someone who averaged 64 and has the potential to at least go 80 plus, right? So I'm not talking about the bet or 90 plus or wherever I saw Dylan Moore finishing. But in general, I'd be quite happy to have him as a bench option in a draft league and going 80 plus. Yes. As a possibility. Your, your bench players are interchangeable anyway. Yeah, sure. yeah, he's a forward. Yeah. Forward only. Well, ma- yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean. Maybe. What, sure. what else are you going to do on your bench? You're going to pick some other, what, second, third get, year player? I've like every, literally every other podcast I've given great bench options. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure Chad Wingard would be the best option I'm like, compared to. I'm going to let that slide through the keeper, buddy. And you like can take a GWS one. Here's Nick Haynes, who's like average 88 before. And like, just pick him up as your last defender and your last pick. Like, he will play. Yeah, that's, that's tripe. No. Tripe in comparison, like your Dylan Moore as a premium. <laughs> All right. Well, I suppose that sort of rounds us out for the Hawthorne pod, guys. Thanks for listening in. And we'll see you in the next one. See you next time. Bye. The C is for the courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes, so the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent, the P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they ask me how I did it, I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. Carry. 